Good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. It's a privilege to be able to uh, share with you God's Word, even though it's by phone or however. It's still the truth of God's Word. God is never surprised and He never changes. Now, uh, it's already been mentioned that this is Mother's Day and uh, I have a story about a mother. Uh, uh, the Bible talks a good bit about fruit bearing in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in uh, chapter 7. Uh, there are these words starting at verse 15 where Jesus said, Behold, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and a corrupt, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, nor can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, uh, uh, Jesus talked uh, a good bit at other places also about fruit. But uh, I'd like to talk a little about fruit. Now, uh, uh, there is a, a apple variety called yellow transparent. I have several yellow transparent trees in my young orchard. But when I was a boy growing up, there was a yellow transparent tree, an old tree in an old orchard that uh, my folks didn't plant. They bought it with the farm. And uh, it had some apples on it, and, and uh, yellow transparent apples are uh, a little tart. They're not the best for eating fresh, but uh, they make good applesauce. If you add a little sugar, and if you eat that applesauce when it's warm off the stove, ooh, that is some good eating. And uh, we had this old yellow transparent tree, and it had apples on it. And so uh, I was in my late teens, and Mother said, uh, go and pick the transparent apples. And I had something else I wanted to do, and I don't remember what, but, but uh, uh, she wanted those apples picked. So I compromised. I said, okay, I'll pick two bushels, and then I'll quit. And she said, that's all right. She was willing to, to allow that, and so... I got the ladder and uh, took a fairly good-sized ladder. It was a big tree, and and I picked apples. And I got uh, got a bushel and a half, and, and that was all that was on the tree. So I took them in to mother, and and uh, mother was laughing. She knew all the time there wasn't two bushels of apples on that tree. Well, that that was my mother. She. Uh, she was wise, and, and she was a godly mother, and, but uh, she was good for me. Well, I'm going to talk a little about mothers, and then I want to talk a good bit about the family of God moving, moving on. Now, uh, there's not many people here sitting in the benches, but there's a couple. And I'm going to ask a question. Uh, in... Uh, the New Testament, there's one verse that lists two godly mothers. 
Does one of you all know where that verse is? I don't get an immediate response, so I'll answer for you. Uh, that's in uh, 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the fifth verse, where it lists Lois and Eunice as uh, women of faith. And uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting verse. And so I'd like to read that. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. So uh, here was true faith in these uh, two mothers, Timothy's grandmother and his mother. Uh, faith that was without hypocrisy, faith without mixture. It was uh, faith that is expressed in life. If uh, you would uh, want to, to know how that uh, relates to fruit, for instance, you could go back to uh, Galatians 5 and verse 22 and read about the fruits of the Spirit. And undoubtedly, these uh, godly mothers uh, had the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Uh, faith is, uh, is expressed in life. Such uh, unfeigned faith as they, these ladies had. Now, uh, this faith is trust. Trust in the New Testament always refers to trust in God or in Christ or in spiritual things or the Holy Spirit. And this faith results in faithfulness. It results in obedience to, the, to God's word. And, and so we look at these two mothers and, and we see godly mothers. Now, uh, the second thing we see in this verse is that uh, this kind of faith is transmitted. It, uh, it goes on to the next generation. Thank God for... Uh, mothers that have this kind of faith without hypocrisy. They, they teach by word and by example. Uh, and, and these uh, mothers by their lives are showing that, uh, that they are a part of God's family. They don't give up. I, uh, I married a lady who uh, adopted a uh, girl in a sad situation, uh, who was a little older, and uh, she never gave up and never will loving that girl and doing the best she can for her. That's uh, mothers that uh, are showing that, that they are a part of God's family. And so that moves us then to uh, the family of God, and that's my, tech, my message for this morning. Now, who is God's family? And for that, I'd like to turn back to uh, the first chapter of John and uh, verses 12 and 13, where uh, John, quoting Jesus uh, and writing about Jesus, says this, as many as received him, 
To them gave he power, authority, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, uh, they receive Christ, means to accept him or to take him, and they believe on his name, and that's saving faith. They are born of God. And uh, the, the uh, 13th verse was uh, somewhat of a, a uh, puzzle to me for years, and, and uh, let me give you what I think that verse is saying. They were born not of blood, not, not because of a fa certain family. Now, uh, not because they were Martins or Beerys or Burkholders or uh, not because of any of that. I, uh, years ago, on one of my birthdays, I was given a, a, for a birthday gift a uh, Heatwall family book. Several weeks ago, or maybe less than, less than that, I was looking in this Heatwall family book, and I looked to see whether my first wife was listed there in that book, and she wasn't. The Lehman family wasn't in the Heatwall book. And so I looked at some of my daughters-in-law, and, and uh, uh, one of my daughters-in-law was a Rhodes, and, uh, Many of you know Lois, and so uh, I looked her up, and she was there, and her uh, lines traced back to the heat walls some three or four different times, different ways, and and uh, so the next time I saw Lois, I said, uh, Lois, you're uh, about four parts heat wall, and Lois said, is that good or bad? And I, uh, I said, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but it's part of who you are. Now, uh, whether she's a Rhodes or a Burkholder or a Heatwall, it, it doesn't make any difference. It's not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. Your, your family names aren't going to get you there. Now, uh, family names are interesting. Uh, one of my great-grandmothers had the maiden name of Buzzard. Now, uh, Buzzards uh, soar high and far, but they don't get you a bit closer to God. Uh, we won't talk about what to eat. Now, now uh, family names aren't going to get you anywhere closer to God. That takes care of one of them. It's not, not of blood. It's not of the will of the flesh. Now, uh, that one, the will of the flesh. In other words, uh, you can't will yourself into the family of God. Your will is involved. Uh, thinking of uh, the 16th chapter of Matthew where uh, Jesus, uh, after Peter's confession and so on, he uh, gave us these words in verse 24 and Matthew 16, and I'd like to read that right now. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me. Now, there's your will involved. Do you want to? If you want to come after me, 
and, and you've got to have a, a will to uh, follow Jesus. Then it says, let him deny himself. And, and there is your will again. <laughs> deny himself? There's nothing that you can do to will yourself into the kingdom of God. You've got to uh, give up your own will. That's what it means to deny yourself. Give up your will and follow. Yeah? So you can't do it by uh, willing. And, and then the last one of these uh, thoughts there in the 13th verse of 1 John, not of the will of man, nor of the will of man. Now, uh, uh, we see people, especially young people, uh, and they're, uh, they're going astray, and, and uh, we wish so that, that we could just grab hold of them and, and put them into the kingdom of God. Uh, we'd like to sit down with them and, and just level with them and really tell them how it is and, and, and get them to see where they're going and what they're doing. And, and you can't do that. We can't by, uh, by force put somebody into the kingdom of God. We can't do it. When I was uh, on my 21st birthday, they had a gathering, a family gathering for me on my 21st birthday, and, and there was a conspiracy. Uh, we uh, know a lot about conspiracy theories now, but this wasn't theory, it was a conspiracy. I, I could tell. Uh, several of my brothers-in-law, one of my brothers-in-law at least, uh, he was the ringleader, and, and several of my brothers uh, surrounded me and, and they laid hold of me and they put me under the kitchen table. Whether I wanted to go or not, they, they put me under the kitchen table. And I, I don't know, I guess that was sort of a, a ritual or a initiation to a, a real life manhood, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> but uh, we can't lay hold on somebody and wrestle them into the kingdom of God. It can't be done. It's not, it's not of the will of man. We, we can see somebody that, uh, oh, we wish we could just... Uh, we wish we could get a get hold of them and and uh, do something, but we can't do that. It it has to come from within. Now uh, that uh, then brings us to the point that uh, it's uh, by the Spirit. In John three six, in the third chapter of John, uh, Jesus talks about new birth. And in 3.6 he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. In other words, uh, what you see in a person's body, uh, it might be, uh, it might be that you can see the family resemblance there. It might be uh, that you can see uh, the uh, physical features of dad or mom, 
might be that you uh, see the uh, the personality coming through. But but what is born of the flesh is flesh. And then he said, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, you need a spiritual birth. He was telling Nicodemus, you've got to be born again, and it's got to be a spiritual birth. And so, uh, who is God's family? Who is in the family of God? They are people who are born of the Spirit. born of uh, the Spirit, and they are spiritual. In John 6, 63, and I'll read that. He says this, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Now, quickeneth, that means made alive, makes alive, it is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so uh, the spirit is uh, essential. Spiritual life is the life that uh, goes on for eternity. Jesus' words are spirit and they are life. In the fifth chapter of John, in the 24th verse, Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Reminds one of uh, the death part of it. Reminds one of uh, Adam when God told him, uh, the day you sin, the day you eat this fruit that I said don't eat of it, the day you do that, you're going to die. And uh, Adam did, and he died. Uh, but it was a spiritual death, natural death passed because of that. Uh, God didn't say, and now, uh, Adam, if uh, you eat this fruit, uh, in 900 years you're going to die he didn't say that he said the day you eat it you're going to die and the day that Adam ate that he was separated from God that's spiritual death in uh, John 18 Jesus was in front of Pilate in uh, that Roman courtroom in Jerusalem and in verse 37, in the last part of the verse, Jesus said these interesting words. First he told Pilate, uh, Pilate, I, I'm a king, just uh, like you said, like you asked. I am a king. My kingdom's not from this world. It's not political. Uh, and uh, no conspiracy there. And Pilate uh, accepted that. And then he said, what I did come for was to bear witness to the truth. For this cause was I born. For this reason I came, to bear witness to the truth. And uh, then he said, 
Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. So the, the question now is, am I of the truth? Have I heard his voice? Are you of the truth? Have you heard his voice? Are you alive? Have you passed from death to life? Now, uh, the spiritual transcends the material. The earthly, the flesh, the spiritual transcends that. Means, uh, that word transcends, it means it's above, it means it's more important than. The spiritual transcends the material, the earthly. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 and the last part of the verse, uh, Paul wrote this, the things which are seen are temporary. He says temporal, but temporary is our word. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that, uh, that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Uh, what we can see is temporary. Uh, how do you compare something that's temporary with the eternal? How do you compare time with eternity? You can, uh, you can think of a, a, a trillion and you can put years to that and, and we, uh, I doubt, uh, we seriously doubt whether that's going to materialize, but, but, but you can think that way. But how does that compare with eternity? It doesn't. You can't compare uh, time with eternity. It, it's, there's no comparison. It's, there's no way you can compare. There's no way that you can compare the, uh, or add percentages to uh, the importance of the spiritual and the material. It, it doesn't work, okay? Now, uh, when we're saying that, we're not saying that uh, the material is not important. We're saying that the spiritual transcends the material. Now, uh, the reason I, uh, I'm saying that is uh, that uh, the material affects the spiritual. And so it is important, very important. Don't say I said uh, it's not important because it is. In uh, that same passage in 2 Corinthians 4, I'd like to read the 17th verse because I think it applies uh, somewhat to our day here. The 17th verse says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, <clears throat> now, uh, Christians, uh, Christians can expect to suffer. Uh, we, we've uh, kind of gotten away from expecting that, I think, in this country. We've, uh, maybe we've been uh, pampered a little too much. Uh, we uh, we don't expect to suffer. We uh, we expect uh, too much probably, 
But, but uh, in, in these days, they suffered. There was persecution. The church was persecuted. And, and they suffered uh, more sometimes and less sometimes, but they suffered. But Paul says, our light affliction. Christians will have some afflictions, no doubt about that. Uh, just because we're part of God's family, just because we've become a part of the church, doesn't mean we're not going to have some afflictions. We will. But they are but for a moment. And they work for us, Paul says, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So there's purpose in uh, the affliction. But the spiritual transcends the earthly, the material. Now, uh, I'll move on. The family of God, then, is a spiritual family. It is uh, much more important, and I'll use uh, several of your ministry here at the Pike as this uh, here uh, illustration. It's much more important that uh, Luke and Wade be brothers than that they be son-in-law and father-in-law. And by the same token, it's much more important that uh, Nelson and Evan be brothers than it is that they be father and son. The spiritual transcends the material or the earthly. And we sometimes have trouble with that one. But, but it's true. The principle then of uh, the spiritual being transcendent, now I'm going to... Uh, really take you off guard. The, the principle of the spiritual being transcendent is foundational to the issue of separate seeding for brothers and sisters. That is the foundational principle of Scripture for that. Now, uh, the New Testament nowhere commands uh, the brothers sit on one side and the sisters on the other. It's a tradition it's carried over from the Old Testament where it was commanded in temple worship. They, uh, the ladies were uh, relegated to a lesser place, maybe. Uh, we don't do that. We simply have them seated separately. Uh, and, uh, but but uh, there is this principle, this principle of uh, the transcendence of the spiritual is the foundational principle for that separate seating that we do. Now, uh, I'm not suggesting that we uh, make that a, a law. I'm not suggesting that we have a rule that uh, that, that be done. I was in one service uh, years ago. It was a funeral service. I uh, had cousins in Pennsylvania, and I went to a funeral, and. Uh, my wife and I started in through a door, and and uh, we had some ushers there that uh, ushered us in separate directions. And I'm not suggesting that we uh, go to that point. I'm not finding fault with those people. That was the way they did it, and and I'm all right with that. And I think we ought to have uh, the privilege of letting people sit where they will. But I think we ought to remember that there is a spiritual principle involved in separate seating, and that is that uh, 
The family of God is far greater in importance than the family of the flesh. <laughs> that is the foundational principle. Okay? <clears throat> That's a, a tradition. Let's leave that one now and go on. All families are blessed by working together. God's family is not an exception to that. Uh, we enjoy working together. I uh, enjoyed the worship service here this morning. Uh, there weren't so many people here, but uh, I enjoyed uh, hearing the family, the Barnhart family sing. I enjoyed the devotional. I enjoyed uh, Ellis's comments and, and so on. I, I enjoyed the, the worship service. And uh, it was a working together. And, and so it is. Now, uh, I have uh, worked together with uh, groups of men building barns and so on when there was a disaster. And, and that's, uh, that's a privilege. All families are blessed when they work together. And uh, God's family does well to work together. <clears throat> uh, and Jesus gave us some work to do. Now what was it that he gave us to do? He told Peter, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you fishers of men if you follow me. Uh, we sometimes think that uh, Peter was walking by the, the uh, that Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee and, and he saw these men out there and uh, he, he called them. They never saw each other before and, and uh, he called them and they followed. But that's not quite right. Uh, John tells us uh, a little more about that when he says that uh, at Jesus' baptism, Andrew found Peter and and said, we found the Messiah, and took Peter to the Messiah. He was Simon at the time, and Jesus changed his name to Peter. So, uh, yeah, th these men, these fishermen, they knew Jesus. They had heard him speak. They knew who he was. But when he called them to follow, they followed. They, they became fishers of men. Now, what? Uh, God had to do a little work on Peter and trim some of the rough edges off, and some of the rest of them too. They had their problems, and, and so do we. And we need some rough edges trimmed off, but, but they worked together and got the job done. What was the work? The work was go and teach all nations. Uh, get people into the kingdom. Bring fish for people, get people into the kingdom. And they worked at it. They worked together. There were some glitches. There was uh, that uh, glitch with Paul and Barnabas and uh, that, that was uh, sort of a sad story to me. I, uh, I've heard some people say, well look now, they, uh, there was two groups went out instead of one. It worked out all right. God always works it out, okay? God works, but it's not a good thing when uh, there's contention in the church. Some years ago, 
talking to somebody and uh, and uh, they said good word good wood splits and I said but good churches don't in other words there uh, may be some contentions in the church at times there will be there will be uh, glitches and so on we are we are to work those things out one of the one of the best things to get people to blaspheme is to have a church split. The neighbors will have a heyday with that one, the, the neighbors who don't like the church. It's not a good thing. The church was designed as a family to work together. And when they work together, things go well. It's a joy and a pleasure. Like mothers, teaching by word and example, so we, in our lives, inviting people in, must work together, teaching by word and example, to bring people into the kingdom. One last thought before I leave the family of God. Our use of material things Somebody said, uh, sit loose. I remember one of the things that was said at my ordination was uh, to sit loose to the material things. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether I got that altogether right or not, whether I uh, lived that as good as I ought to or not. Uh, you know, uh, the more you have, the more you worry about it, the more there is to rust up and rot up and for thieves to steal. And still we want some more. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Give it. And then he said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve me and serve the earthly. Sit loose to the material. And so uh, I'll leave you now with that. Uh, God's family. They are doing God's work. They are spiritual. They are alive. They work together as family. They sit loose to material things. And when that's happening, people can see it. And people bring glory to God because of the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus. 